The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 1, Book 4, States General, Chapter 3, Grand Electric. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Peter Dan. Book 4, Chapter 3, Grand Electric. But now also national deputies from all ends of France are in Paris with their commissions, what they call pouvoirs or powers, in their pockets, inquiring, consulting, looking out for lodgings at Versailles. The States-General shall open there, if not on the 1st, then surely on the 4th of May, in grand procession and gala. The Salle de Manu is all new carpentered, bedizened for them. Their very costume has been fixed. A grand controversy which there was as to slouch hats or slouched hats for the common deputies has got as good as adjusted. Ever new strangers arrive, loungers, miscellaneous persons, officers on furlough, as the worthy Captain Damp Martin, whom we hope to be acquainted with. These also from all regions have repaired hither to see what is toward. Our Paris committees of the sixty districts are busier than ever. It is now too clear the Paris elections will be late. On Monday, the 27th of April, astronomer Bailly notices that the Sieur Revillon is not at his post. The Sieur Revillon, extensive paper manufacturer of the Rue Saint-Antoine, he, commonly so punctual, is absent from the electoral committee and even will never reappear there. In those immense magazines of velvet paper, has aught befallen? Alas, yes. Alas, it is no Montgolfier rising there today, but drudgery, rascality, and the suburb that is rising. Was the Sir Réveillon himself once a journeyman, heard to say that a journeyman might live handsomely on fifteen sous a day? Some sevenpence halfpenny, tis a slender sum. Or was he only thought and believed to be heard saying it? By this long chafing and friction, it would appear the national temper has grown electric. Down in those dark dens, in those dark heads and hungry hearts, who knows in what strange figure the new political evangel may have shaped itself? What miraculous communion of drudges may be getting formed? Enough. Grim individuals soon waxing to grim multitudes, and other multitudes crowding to see, beset that paper warehouse, demonstrate in loud, ungrammatical language, addressed to the passions too, the insufficiency of sevenpence halfpenny a day. The city watch cannot dissipate them. Broils arise and bellowings. Réveillon, at his wit's end, entreats the populace, entreats the authorities. Bessonval, now in active command, commandant of Paris, does towards evening to Réveillon's earnest prayer send some thirty garde Francaises. These clear the street, happily without firing, and take post there for the night in hope that it may be all over. Not so. On the morrow it is far worse. Saint-Antoine has arisen anew grimmer than ever, reinforced by the unknown tatterdemalion figures with their enthusiast complexion and large sticks. The city through all streets is flowing thitherward to see two cartloads of paving stones that happen to pass that way have been seized as a visible godsend. Another detachment of garde Francaise must be sent, Bessonval and the colonel taking earnest counsel. Then still another. They, hardly with bayonets and menace of bullets, penetrate to the spot. 
What a sight! A street choked up with lumber, tumult, and the endless press of men. A paper warehouse eviscerated by axe and fire. Mad din of revolt. Musket volleys responded to by yells, by miscellaneous missiles, by tiles raining from roof and windows. Tiles, execrations, and slain men. The Garde Francaise like it not, but have to persevere. All day it continues, slackening and rallying. The sun is sinking, and Saint-Antoine has not yielded. The city flies hither and thither. Alas, the sound of that musket volleying booms into the far dining-rooms of the Chaussée d'Antin, alters the tone of the dinner-gossip there. Captain Dampmartin leaves his wine, goes out with a friend or two to see the fighting. Unwashed men growl on him with murders of Abale's aristocrats, down with the aristocrats, and insult the cross of St. Louis. They elbow him and hustle him, but do not pick his pocket, as indeed at Ravillon's too there was not the slightest stealing. At fall of night, as the thing will not end, Bessonval takes his resolution, orders out the guard Suisse with two pieces of artillery. The Swiss guard shall proceed thither, summon that rabble to depart in the king's name. If disobeyed, they shall load their artillery with grape-shot, visibly, to the general eye, shall again summon. If again disobeyed, fire, and keep firing, till the last man be in this manner blasted off and the street clear. With which spirited resolution, as might have been hoped, the business is got ended. At sight of the lit matches of the foreign red-coated Switzers, Saint-Antoine dissipates hastily in the shades of dusk. There is an encumbered street. There are from four to five hundred dead men. Unfortunate Réveillon has found shelter in the Bastille. Does therefrom, safe behind stone bulwarks, issue plaint, protestation, explanation for the next month? Bold Bessonval has thanks from all the respectable Parisian classes, but finds no special notice taken of him at Versailles, a thing the man of true worth is used to. But how it originated, this fierce electric sputter and explosion? From d'Orléans, cry the court party, he with his gold enlisted these brigands, surely in some surprising manner without sound of drum, he raked them in hither from all corners to ferment and take fire, evil is his good. From the court, cries enlightened patriotism, it is the cursed golden wiles of aristocrats that enlisted them, set them upon ruining an innocent sieur Réveillon to frighten the faint and disgust men with the career of freedom. Bessonval, with reluctance, concludes that it came from the English, our natural enemies. Or, alas, might not one rather attribute it to Diana in the shape of hunger, to some twin Dioscuri, oppression and revenge so often seen in the battles of men. Poor lackals, all betoiled, besoiled, encrusted into dim defacement, into whom, nevertheless, the breath of the Almighty has breathed a living soul. To them it is clear only that Eleutheromaniac philosophism has yet baked no bread, that patriotic committee men will level down to their own level and no lower. Brigands, or whatever they might be, it was bitter earnest with them. They bury their dead with the title of Défenseurs de la Patrie, Martyrs of the Good Cause. 
or shall we say insurrection, has now served its apprenticeship, and this was its proof stroke and no inconclusive one. Its next will be a master stroke, announcing indisputable mastership to a whole astonished world. Let that rock fortress, tyranny's stronghold, which they name Bastille, or building, as if there were no other building, look to its guns. But in such wise, with primary and secondary assemblies and carrier of grievances, with motions, congregations of all kind, with much thunder of froth eloquence and at last with thunder of platoon musketry, does agitated France accomplish its elections. With confused winnowing and sifting in this rather tumultuous manner, it has now, all except some remnants of Paris, sifted out the true wheat grains of national deputies, 1,214 in number, and will forthwith open its States General. End of Book 4, Chapter 3